I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. Smoking big rolling. Solo is hell on earth and the city's on fire In hell, in hell, there's heaven There's a bull and a matador dueling in the sky In hell, in hell, there's heaven period of intense self-quarantine. Today, we are going to talk about whatever there is to talk about in the baseball Mariner universe. Uh, If you didn't know, somehow, things have stopped. There is nothing going on. Um, The coronavirus has shut down all of sports, but it has not come for podcasting yet. So we are here to help guide you through what is one of the weirdest periods of American life I can remember. So today, we are going to do that with... The newest hire at Lookout Landing, who is also a writer for Pitcher List, a podcast veteran and a Bellingham native, it is the one and only Michael Ajetto. What's up, Mikey? Uh, nothing much, man. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I, uh, I ran the numbers here, and uh, we hired you, and then two weeks later, a global pandemic broke out. What the fuck is going on there? <laughs> I, I mean, it doesn't speak well to, um, you know, I saw some commenters on the, on my, my first piece were like, uh, this doesn't seem good. Like, uh, you're hired and now coronavirus. So, um, I swear I'm not to blame, but, uh, you know, the correlation doesn't look amazing. Exactly. And we have a lot of conspiracy theorists amongst us, definitely in the comment section. So I'm not surprised at all that that was, uh. <laughs> Their knee-jerk reaction was to immediately assume that. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing fine. Like, it's been weird. Obviously, I live in Seattle proper, so it's been pretty mellow. There's nothing happening anymore. Um, But, like, life has to continue, you know? That's the weirdest part. Like, you still see people in the streets and driving around, and it's like, you can't just all not do anything. But the worst is the grocery store. I feel really bad for everyone. It's awful. Who works there. And, like, I know that no one comes here for advice on how to live their life during a pandemic, but (laughs) the one thing that I will say is it doesn't seem like you need to buy the whole grocery store. You can just buy a normal amount and then come back later when they restock and buy a normal amount again. Because when you buy everything, you leave nothing for the people who, like, truly need it. So that's my only soapbox thing that I'll say about the coronavirus, (laughs) which I'm not an expert on by any stretch of the imagination. How's life in Bellingham? Um, it's, it's weird. Um, it feels like in some ways 
um, things haven't changed, uh, especially for me, like the work that I do outside of, you know, baseball stuff, um, which is just kind of what I call it, like hashtag baseball stuff. Um, <laughs> like my ex-girlfriend used to be like, hey, like, what are you doing tonight? And I'll be like, uh, like I'm super slammed with school stuff and I also got baseball stuff. And she'd be like, okay. Um, but like the work that I do, you know, like to insurances, we have to, um, we have to argue that it's like clinically, clinically significant. Um, and so that doesn't just stop, uh, you know, when there's a pandemic, if anything, um, it might be more important now because schools are shut down. Um, and so like, I'm pretty at risk for, um, you know, being exposed. We're, we're doing our best to, um, you know, be as clean as possible, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been a trip. (laughs) Yeah. It definitely doesn't feel real yet to me, which I know is probably part of the problem. Like I think a lot of people feel that way and that's why they're continuing to just live their life. But there are some benefit. I mean, benefits used as a loose term here, obviously. Like, none of right. this is good, but, like, everyone being a lot cleaner seems like a, a net positive for America. Hopefully that can continue to some extent afterwards. I saw some people on Twitter being like, I started flossing just out of pure boredom. Like, this might actually bleed into my real life afterwards and things like that. So, I mean, all I can really do, and, like, I think people who listen to this kind of know this about me. Like, I'm just kind of rolling with the punches and, like, trying my best to laugh at anything that's a little bit funny there's some serious parts to this for sure that I don't want to take lightly but like there's nothing that I can do besides washing my hands and avoiding people so I'll do that and then continue to get these jokes off I think (laughs) yeah that's all you can do have you taken up any new hobbies or anything what have you been doing to pass the time man like last weekend I just wanted like it's kind of a want what you can't have kind of thing so I just so badly wanted to like go out and get a beer or like see my friends and honestly it's been like kind of crappy and I have been like I don't really know like sick um like I I got some pretty bad allergies on Sunday like the Sunday before this past Sunday um and then that kind of led into I think what was a sickness like I had a um just a sore throat basically um and then that finally led up this morning so today's today's been great like I I I literally didn't step outside the entire weekend uh so doing that this morning was fantastic um and then like my first piece came out and I got to see people um and just like see clients that I really love um so it's been a good day, but the weekend was kind of rough because I was, like, sick and just quarantining myself. Um, but, yeah, I, I've been intending on um, doing some more reading, um, watching more, like, movies and, and shows and stuff. Um, I would have loved to have done it with my brother, but he went back down to our hometown in Auburn because uh, he doesn't have much reason to be up here, and he's poor. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I think mostly for me it'll be, um, I think more, uh, I've I've been doing some, like, live uh, streams with the Turn 2 podcast, Matt Williams, Um, and we've been doing that to kind of just get people's minds off of, um, you know, all of the crappiness um, that's happening right now, and then, honestly, like, I already do what I am going to be doing kind of like it's gonna I'm in an online program so unfortunately like I would love uh some more time off even though my spring break was uh I think last week um or maybe two weeks ago I don't know um but yeah so it'll it'll still be a lot of writing um a lot of just like baseball stuff (laughs) uh and then um just school unfortunately and then just work so I'm already busy and I will continue to be super busy but I'm trying to use it as an excuse to like not feel such a need to be so productive because I I have like I'm super um obsessive about my productivity because I have like clinical OCD um and so hopefully it's just like like this weekend I didn't feel too bad about it um because I was like oh well like 
there's a reason why I have to, you know, do this. It still didn't feel amazing, but um, it's nice to just do nothing every once in a while. Unfortunately, it'll probably be a lot of uh, that for the foreseeable future. I don't know. Yeah, but like, I don't know. For me, that is like kind of my favorite thing in the whole world is just to do nothing. Like when people (laughs) ask what my hobbies are, I mean, I have to, similar to you, I'm like, well, there's the baseball stuff, which also like... There's such a specific humiliation to asking your roommate to be quiet so you can record a podcast. Like, it's such a weird thing to ask another adult. Like, and when I've had, I've had a couple people do this, like, in person, like, they'll come over to my apartment and we'll just sit at my kitchen counter and talk. And I have to be like, hey, can you leave? <laughs> like, can you hide in your room while I talk to this person about, like, you say Kikuchi or whatever? And they're like, right. I guess. It's a very weird life to live, but I'm glad that you have the shorthand baseball stuff. I might just steal that for myself. Yeah, I, think, I think it's, it's nice. Yeah. You well, cause then like, whenever cause no one cares, exactly. Know? They it's don't care. Like, oh. And the more you explain it, the more it kind of makes it worse. I've noticed right. like, I, if you just say, Oh yeah, I host a podcast. There's still like kind of a veneer of coolness there. When you get into like bit, the yeah. nitty gritty, they're like, Oh, this guy's insane. <laughs> they're like, I don't want to go in my room anymore. I want to <laughs> ruin your baseball stuff. I'm like, I want to sit here and watch how weird this is going to be and, like, <laughs> laugh at you. Like, bad stand-up sort of thing. Right. Yeah. But um, I don't even remember where I was going with that anymore. Oh, yeah. Like, my, uh, I had the realization, because my roommate left. He's from Idaho, and he just went home. So, like, okay, I have this whole apartment to myself for probably a while. Like, what am I going to do? And then I realized that, like, the things I was already doing indoors aren't going to change, right? It's only the stuff yeah. that you were doing in the outside world that you have to give up. But like, I wasn't like, I've seen a lot of people thinking about like, yeah, I'm going to take up a new skill or like do this, do that. And it's like, you think you're going to do that, but you're just going to go way harder on the things you were already doing. So like, right. if you were already reading a book, you're probably going to finish that book. But like, it's, I don't feel like I'm going to learn how to like speak a new language or like learn how to bake or anything like that. Like I'm just going to play way more NCAA football on my Xbox. Right. I dude, I so badly want a PS4 to play the show. Like, I have an Xbox One, but I'm in this weird space where like I don't want to wait that year where it's like cross-platform or whatever. Um, but I don't want to buy a PS4. I might just do it though. Like it's tax <laughs> season. I don't know. And PS4 is better anyways. So, um. I don't know what I'm gonna do. I need to. I need to hit up Craigslist or eBay or something. Yeah, that's the move. There's so much potential here for the video game world to really, like, as gross as it sounds, to really capitalize right. like on a global e-sports? pandemic. Yeah, like this is esports chance, like more than ever. Yeah, esports like Slack and Zoom and Skype, all of the virtual communication platforms like i would buy stock in those you know like there's a lot of opportunities here for the world to kind of flip on its axis and like the money is going to be very wild in a certain in a certain section of america like there's going to be a lot of boom and then some people are gonna lose their jobs unfortunately which is i think the biggest bummer of this whole thing yeah okay well i think that's enough commiserating or whatever that was that we were doing (laughs) i do want to talk about a very unfortunately timed, I guess, piece that you wrote. Um, you made your debut on the site this week, writing about Justice Sheffield, uh, who, of course, we probably aren't going to see for a very long time. But yeah. uh, obviously, to all the listeners, please go read Mikey's piece called Justice Sheffield is Leaning Into It. Did I get that correct? Yeah. Okay, cool. I wanted to make sure I didn't paraphrase. But um, yeah, read that and... Uh, delve into all of the changes justice is making but mikey i wanted to talk to you about it specifically as the person Mm -hmm. who wrote it um my first question is just why justice sheffield what about him like obviously the piece kind of explains the things you're looking at but what originally led you to say i want to write about justice sheffield on such an in-depth level well i think um i've just been ever since he came over like when he came over i was kind of a, a sheffield apologist and i was like you know um, I think there is, I wrote about it at like my blog before I was even at picture list. Um, but I was like, Hey, um, the, I think there's a, a perception problem with, um, the market right now. And I think this is the best that we could do. So like, yeah, we traded James Paxton, who's amazing. 
um, when he's, you know, on the mound. Um, but I think, you know, with the pieces that we got, I was pretty excited. And I was like, okay, um, I think he has a really strong chance of um, being, you know, being like a number two or three um, starter. And I think the other pieces are really good, too. And at the time, like, Jeff Sullivan was saying Eric Swanson might be better than Justice Sheffield. Um, And he thought Justice Sheffield was good. And then the more that I learned about him, um, I would just, you know, be looking. And and I think um, I'm kind of starting a project on it now over at PitcherList. But um, I think that we we don't really look at spin rate uh, completely, like correctly all the time because i think total spin rate is important but active spin rate contextualizes your total spin rate um and so i'm i'm kind of trying to see if i can create a more predictive and and descriptive uh, metric um i'm not a very good like data guy but i can kind of come up with ideas and work with our data team to do that um, but basically, like, Justice Sheffield has a bad fastball, and that's because he has he has decent velo, um, but he has a t- awful, awful spin rate. He, has, he ranks in the fifth percentile in spin rate, uh, and it gets worse. Um, he ranks in the fifth percentile of active spin rate at 64.1%, so um, active spin rate and um i might butcher this like uh i understand what it is in my head but it's kind of difficult to explain um basically for fastballs like a hundred if you have a 100 percent spin rate that means that all of the movement all of the spin i should say all the spin um that you're creating is going towards the movement and it's going towards backspin so if you think about like justin verlander and garrett cole they have um, nearly 100% backspin. Um, and so when you look at uh, Justice Sheffield, he has, uh, you know, like almost half. He has 64% um, essentially backspin on his fastball. And so 64% of his spin is contributing to the movement of his fastball. And so it's kind of like a Garrett Richards thing where it's like, whoa, like, well, I guess with Richards, it's like, whoa, this guy has a like, really good spin. And then you look and you're like, oh, but it's all like inactive spin. Um, and then there's Justice Sheffield where it's like, man, this guy's spin sucks and his active spin sucks too. So he has really what all that means is he doesn't have a spin or he doesn't have a, a fastball with rise like Verlander or Cole or like Caleb Smith. He has one with sink like Garrett Richards. And what that means is it's a really heavy bowling ball fastball. Um, that gets a lot of sync and isn't going to get whiffs. Um, and so it's already a ground ball pitch. And I think, you know, theoretically, I say in the piece, like, he could try and and try and, you know, fix his, um, try and get on top of the ball more and try to shift uh, the access to create more um, active spin. But it's just so bad that I'm not sure it's worth it. Um, I think he should look into it, but I think for right now, um, it makes much more sense to, like I said, lean into it um, and just switch pitch grips and throw a sinker where it sinks more um, and creates more ground balls. And I think, you know, that's good because it's going to create more weak contact. Like he's in kind of a purgatory where um, his fastball doesn't get enough... um, like it doesn't get enough, like it gets too much sink and it doesn't get enough arm side movement. Um, and then compared to a sinker, like it doesn't get enough sink or arm side movement. Um, and so I think it's, it's a judicious change to switch to the sinker. So it's, it's going to get, I think more ground balls, create weaker contact. The downside is it might get put into play more, but I like kind of doubt it. Um, I am excited that he is going to be elevating his fastball more, even though his four seam fastball, that is, even though it's a pitch that, uh, you know, gets sink. Um, but he's had some marginal success elevating it. And so I just think all of this, um, I think it raises his floor, especially because he might be able to command the sinker better. Um, and I also think that it gives him a greater, um, basically like 
ability to just do different things. Like, okay, I can pitch my sinker low in the zone, arm side and glove side. I can go um, glove side with the slider and arm side with a changeup. And then I can elevate my four seam fastball. So it's a pretty simple change, but I think it's done a lot for him uh, in my opinion. Yeah, and we saw this a little bit in the the spring training game against the Giants, right? Like that was when we actually saw the the changes happen and kind of how it would play against hitters. So, uh, what did you see? I know we didn't see a lot of justice in spring training, but besides just oh, he's throwing a sinker now. What else um, stood out to you in the little bit that we saw in Arizona? Um, I, I I felt like, and I didn't like, I don't have access to any heat maps, but it really looked like he did a much better job at keeping the ball at the bottom of the zone. And I think that's something that he should have been doing all along probably um, as you know, so long as he wasn't elevating his fastball, which he wasn't um, because he pitched to the middle of the plate a lot with his four seam fastball. And like I say in the article, like it's not a huge departure from what he's been doing, but I think the execution was a little better. And I do think that like, there was a lot less going to the middle of the plate and just being so hittable. Um, and what I was really impressed by was that like he was using it to set himself up and um, <clears throat> it, you know, it wasn't perfect. Like there were a couple hard hit balls and I think um, one or two of those might've been on the sinker and one was on the changeup, which is still developing. Um, but it's impressive that like he didn't bring the four seamer out at all. And I think that was kind of to, um, get a lot of reps with his sinker, but yeah, just a lot of sinkers down in the zone. Um, which is, I, I really think he should be peppering the bottle bottom of the zone with his sinker and, um, you know, bearing his slider, um, and throwing his change up away. And it was just, it was really awesome to see that like in O2 counts, he wasn't like, he wasn't going to that sinker, like, and he wasn't going to a fastball, which he should never, ever, ever do. Um, I liked seeing that towards the end of the year, he he started going away from his fastball more and he started incorporating his secondaries more. Um, but like, you know, it'd be an O2 count and he'd be like, okay, I'm going to bury a, a slider. And if that doesn't work, I'll bury another one. Or um, I will, um, you know, throw a change up off the plate. But uh, yeah, I, I, I still think that his command isn't solved. I don't think... Um, He's still not perfect by any means there, but I think he might be able, honestly, to um, he might be able to command his secondary pitches um, better than like his fastball at this point. I've just seen him so many times um, miss with his fastball, and so um, yeah, I was encouraged, but you know, it, it wasn't a, a huge sample. So um, yeah, it would have been nice to see a couple more games out of him, but. Uh, <laughs> For now, we've just uh, we've got we've got that Giants game. Yeah, we'll always have that Giants game, no matter what <laughs> happens with the mighty Corona. We'll all remember the time that Justice Sheffield looked okay in spring training against the Giants. <laughs> he threw a sinker. Where he yeah. threw a freaking sinker. Yeah. It'll be our version of like a war story, you know, when people were talking about like the past times during World War Two. <laughs> like, oh, we had just the great Justice Sheffield game. <laughs> Uh, I I feel like me personally, the way that my brain works, like whenever the Mariners have a young player with any sort of prospect pedigree, like any sort of mention on top 100 lists or they used to be, you know, a high draft pick or they had a good year at this level, whatever, I usually get pretty excited just because I want to, you know, for me, Mm -hmm. it's more fun to believe in them than to be so pessimistic, which I also totally understand just given the kind of everything that's ever happened to this franchise. But so like when Justice Sheffield came over, I was bummed because I just liked James Paxton a lot, even though it Mm -hmm. made sense to get rid of him. But the thing that I kept hearing was his absolute ceiling is back end of the rotation or has to become a reliever. So I wanted to ask you as someone who has a little more of an analytical approach, like what do you think it would take for him? What is like, what does he have to do on the mound to separate himself from I'm going to be a reliever to, okay, I can stick in their rotation. Like, what does that look like if he's his best self pitching like in the second or third slot in a big league staff? Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I would say, 
you know, before this game, he really had one pitch that was good and his, you know, his slider is like really, really good. Like it's one of the best pitches. It's one of the best sliders in the league. Um, but it's not ideal to be a three pitch pitcher um, with two that aren't very good at all. And also command that's like 40 grade, 45 grade. Um, and so I think, I think right now he's got a really good chance. Like I don't, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a back-end pitcher. Um, I mean, he has a chance still to be a a number three pitcher, I would say. Um, Like I said in the piece, I think what's going to limit him is that he's he's putting a lot of his eggs into uh, the basket of basically BAPIP um, because his changeup, like changeups just in general and splitters, they get put into play a lot. And so... Um, over at PitcherList, we've uh, developed a stat, which is really simple, just um, called strikes plus whiff, or whiffs, um, CSW. And changeups and splitters always have really low um, CSWs because, one, they don't get thrown in the zone very much, and, two, they get put into play a lot. Um, and so two of its pitches are play, or pitches that get put into play a lot. And so um, I think that's always going to hold him back, and it's going to hold him back from being someone who – is more of a 30% strikeout percentage guy. Um, <clears throat> and so I think he's going to need to have some success with the four-seam fastball um, to be, you know, more towards that number three starter. And then I think I think he absolutely needs to take a step forward with his command because, um, like I said, um, he's just like, it doesn't matter as much with the slider and the changeup because you're throwing them off the plate anyhow. Um, and they're just such, at least the slider is such a good pitch. And I actually like the, the changeup a lot more than I did last year. Um, but I think he absolutely needs to, to just be able to command his pitchers, pitches better because, um, it's just critical for him. Like if he gets behind in the count, um, I don't think, I don't think he's someone that is going to continue to throw a slider, which is easily his best pitch. Um, and so I think it's sort of a cop-out, um, but just the continued development of his um, change-up and, and fastballs and then his command, I would say. Yeah, so basically to be a good pitcher, he just has to become a good pitcher. <laughs> right, I mean, I'm I'm kind of hopeful about him after this. Like, I think um, the the issue for him is is he going to be able to get into pitcher scouts, which, you know, is an issue for a lot of pitchers. Um, and so he's going to have to be kind of reliant on, you know, uh, putting the ball on the ground. And if he does, you know, like wiggle his way into working into, you know, Oh, two, one, two, two, two counts. Um, he's going to be able to get strikeouts because his slider is so, good it has like a 24 percent swinging strike percentage which is just bananas um so i don't know like yeah it sounds really bad and maybe maybe the pendulum has just swung too far the other way and i'm just too optimistic about him especially with like the recency bias which is uh, with his new pitches but or i guess pitch really um so i don't know yeah the sinker is always going to hold him back but I, I do think, like I say in the piece, like I, I think that he can kind of resemble something like Patrick Corbin and Dylan Bundy. And like Patrick Corbin's really good and Dylan Bundy's not so good. But I think Dylan Bundy's going to be good in 2020. Um, and I think they're actually going to be really similar pitchers. I just think um, <laughs> I think Justice might be a poor man's Dylan Bundy. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, because of his command. But... Uh, uh, I think it's better than I, I just think Dylan Buddy's going to be good this year, which is like a weird thing to say. Um, but I'm just really optimistic about him. Sure. Okay, then. So I guess one question that I kind of formulated while you were explaining all of this and that I'm genuinely curious about. And I'm sure people who don't like who are being introduced to you for the first time or maybe aren't too familiar with your stuff would know is like what kind of things do you value the most when you're evaluating 
a pitcher. So, like, if there's, let's say there's a minor league guy that you've never heard of, but you, all of his numbers are available, uh, what would be the first things that you look to to try to figure out if this guy will be good, where there's room for improvement, all of that? Like, what are the ones that pop out to you when you're looking at just the, the raw numbers or the advanced right. numbers for that matter? Uh, one is um, I don't want to see a pitcher who – and this is this is going to sound weird. Um, I don't want to see a pitcher who is just like limiting super super weak contact because we know that that's not unless you have. I think there's two ways to circumvent this, but unless you have really good command and a deep um, repertoire or both, like Hyunjin Ryu has a really deep repertoire and he has really good command. Uh, Marco has uh, good command and uh, deep repertoire. Kyle Hendricks, um, people like that, they're able to um, outperform their peripherals and like their strikeout rates will be higher than you'd expect because um, just the like they don't miss their spots as much and they just have more unpredictability of just being and like more pitchability by being more unpredictable. Um, and so I'm not really looking for contact suppression. Like I, I want to see something in terms of sustainability, like something around league average. And so, um, I've really learned this from Alex Chamberlain over at Fangraphs, and I've, I've talked to him, um, a good amount about it and references work quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at like, like X Woba and Woba and looking at the pitch type level to see if. Like where where is this performance coming from? Is it coming from um, his changeup, which has a 145 BABIP, or and I'm just making these numbers up right now, but like is it coming from a changeup with a super low BABIP and super low X Woba and super low, and I actually mean X Wobacon and Wobacon, um, because Woba and X Woba at the pitch type level and even just at the gross level are kind of. Uh, they can be misleading because of this contact suppression stuff. Um, and so that's one thing I'm looking for. And then on the flip side, I'm looking to see, like, do these pitchers have swing and miss stuff? Um, so, like, grossly, like, do they have, like, a 15% swing and strike rate? Because that's really good. Um, and then at the pitch type level, like, where's this coming from? Is it coming from, again, like, is it coming from their slider? With Justice Sheffield, that's where it's coming from. With his changeup, he gets some whiffs too. With his fastball, he gets, like, none. Um, and so I want to see, like, if they have the ability to um, miss bats, if they have the ability to um, get chases. So on, like, Baseball Savant, that's chase percentage. On fan graphs, that's O-swing percentage. Um, and then also... <clears throat> I want to see if they're throwing in the zone, but if they're getting whiffs or if they're getting chases out of the zone, that doesn't matter as much. Um, and so I'm looking at things like that. Um, there's just like, for me, it's just sup- such a, a, a deep, deep like process because I'll, I wrote an article about it actually at pitcher list and it's called called pitcher or fantasy one one how to evaluate pitchers using multiple statistics. And it's over at pitcher list. Um, but like my process generally starts the same. I, I generally look at like the pitch type, um, statistics on fan graphs and, um, then, you know, just like their FIP and like, I'm getting really like, um, just really surface level stuff. And then I dive deeper into like, you know, the X will bacon and will bacon and swinging strike percentage stuff. Um, but I think the main thing is just, like, can this guy miss bats? Like, obviously. Um, because we know that it's the most sticky um, skill that there is. And so, like, that's why um, uh, pitchers like Kyle Hendricks, like, he's really good. But there's not that many pitchers that can do what he does. Um It's really crazy. Like, his peripherals always say, you know, like, he's not going to be that great but then he puts up like a 3.3 era and so i think it's just it's it's in bad faith to um pitchers like miles michaelis and mike fulton and kyle freeland they trick us every year because we're like man this guy was really good and he limited contact and it's like yeah he did but he probably won't do it next year 
Um, I think that we should always think that a guy won't until he does. Um, and so, yeah, I guess this was really long-winded, but that's kind of uh, generally what I do, I guess. No, that was great. I think, I mean, we're trying to uh, to encapsulate your uh, your brain, your thought process, give people a peek into what they're going to be getting from your uh, your content. So that was wonderful. That was like kind of a thesis statement on you, which is which is good. I don't have yeah, anything so. nearly that elaborate. If I were to describe the way I approach baseball, I wouldn't be nearly as smart sounding. <laughs> I'm sure it would. <laughs> No, enough of the nerd shit, though. I want to know, just eye <laughs> test, who are your favorite pitchers to watch? So, like, for me, I have some pitchers who I know, if I look at their numbers, are not very good, but I love them either way. Like, Tuki Toussaint is the first that comes to mind when I oh, think yeah. of, of that. Like, I know he's had a lot of struggles, but his stuff is just so fun to look at. I mean, Fernando Rodney was also that. Like, knowing that you're going to yeah. get one <laughs> of two pitches and it's either going to be like 97 and who knows where it goes or you're going to look dumb on this changeup, or it's going to end right. up in the seats. Like there's pictures <laughs> like that where they make you really feel stuff are my favorite. So like Jose Fernandez was probably my favorite ever. Um, RIP to him, obviously. Yeah. But like Stroman, Noah Syndergaard, Tim Lincecum, all those guys mean a lot to me. So I want to know for you, cause I'm sure the numbers have sort of seeped in unconsciously. Uh, who are your favorites to just watch when you're <laughs> sitting on your couch enjoying some baseball? So, in terms of Mariners and former Mariners, like, obviously Felix was always just someone that I, I loved watching. Um, when I was younger, I think Freddie Garcia um, and Jamie Moyer were people that I really loved watching. Arthur Rhodes. Um, mm. Yeah, man. Um, I think I have some weird bias towards, like, pitchability and just, like, being a crafty pitcher, um, which is you know, like watching Jamie Moyer throw like 82 mile per hour fastballs is one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. And he was a super serviceable pitcher. Like, is he, he might, he's in the Mariners Hall of Fame. Yeah. I would imagine so. Yeah. I think the criteria for that is just five years with the team. So I, I would have to imagine he's yeah. in there. <clears throat> um, so those are like my kind of more old school guys. Um, more recently, like this might sound weird, but I loved watching Mike Leak pitch. Um, especially, I was like, I was shitting my pants when he almost threw a no hitter. Like I, I said this in the Slack, but I was on my way to a bonfire and we we're about to get out of the car and head down. And I was like, I was with my ex girlfriend. I was like, Yo, like we can't get out of the car. And she's like, What? <laughs> and I was like this guy's pitching a, he's pitching a no hitter. Like we got to wait. And she was like, well, I, I, okay. And I don't even think that it was on the radio. I think I had to pull up my phone and maybe even like find a stream or go on like tune in or something. So I'm listening to this no hitter. And of course he loses it in like the ninth inning. Um, but I love, I love watching Mike Leach pit, Mike Leach, not Mike Leach. Um, that would be <laughs> way different. Um, I love watching a pitch for some reason. Um, and so Marco is another guy that I really like to pitch for that reason. And I also just think like if his velo ever comes back, he's going to be really good. Um, so those are probably my main Mariners guys. I'm trying to think. Um, I am excited about, you know, basically our whole staff, except uh, really Kendall Graveman. Like I am excited about him in the way that you can be excited about like Mike Leak, um, especially if his velo comes back too. Um, in terms of other teams, um, I think especially because I've written about them and have just like, I had to pull a lot of video and watch them pitch, but like Andrew Heaney, I love Andrew Heaney. I'm a Andrew Heaney apologist. Um, Matt Boyd, I love Matt Boyd. And I, I actually think of the two pretty similarly. I think Matt Boyd has a higher ceiling because of the breadth of his repertoire. Uh, Shane Bieber is someone who I'm kind of going against my own beliefs in a way as it pertains to um, what I think about limiting uh, soft contact or really limiting uh, hard, let's see, yeah, limiting hard contact and like the sustainability of that because he has a bad fastball sort of because he doesn't elevate it um, and it gets beat up and halfway through the season, like in June, um, he just started doing way better and people are like, Oh, this is just like, this is unsustainable. Like this can't 
possibly keep up. And I was like, no, I think this is happening because over the course of the entire season, that was kind of like on uh, June 15th was like the threshold for when his his curveball just became more of like a a, a spike curveball, kind of like that's I'm going to write about it, but that's kind of why I'm excited about Taiwan Walker. Um, and it used to have like a little hump that would come out like it would pop out of the pitch tunnel um, in the way that I think you say Kikuchi said too. Um, and so it stopped doing that and his fastball playing, it started playing a lot better. So I do think there's going to be regression, but I'm, I like, I love watching that guy pitch because, uh, he has super good command. He has a super filthy, um, uh, knuckle curve and slider. And just watching him spot his fastball is like art. So I think Shane Bieber is like the number one guy for me. Um, really every guy that I write about, like, I like watching them pitch, um, one, because they're generally like pitchers that I think have potential, but also because I'm biased after watching them and like investing in them, I guess. Uh, and then I think the last is, um, I wrote about him too, but Tyler Rogers, um, throws an 83 mile per hour sinker and a 73 mile per hour slider. Um, and he has the lowest release point in the MLB since, well, uh, I think ever in the pitch tracking era. So since 2008, I think, uh, lower than Chad Bradford. So he's obviously fun to watch. Huh. Well, there you go. Another very thorough answer. Uh, I have to admit when you brought up the Mike Leak perfect game, I started to tune out because I was finding my recap that I wrote for that game. <laughs> This was a, uh, a classic case of what we call the baseball gods smiling on me because it was a Friday night. I'm retracing this all, and I, you know, fell on the sword, said, I'll recap the game, guys. Everyone go have fun. It's the <laughs> middle of the summer. Like, it's July 19th, 2019. Lots of things to do in Seattle on a, a Friday night in July. And right. I'm reading it again. There's a lot of things that I forgot. Um, the scoreboard went out. I completely forgot about that part of the game. So there yeah. was no noise in the stadium, which I wrote, like, obviously feels very Mike Leak to have that all happen. Like, <laughs> right. the most chill environment possible. I called him the Indica of pitchers. I don't remember writing that <laughs> at all. <laughs> and then there's also there's a, uh, a screenshot of... Domingo Santana is going for a fly ball and he straight loses it. So he's doing the like palms up thing and then he yeah. finds it and he catches it. But it's like, Good God. the screenshot is hilarious. It's like 10 nothing Mariners top seven. And then you just see Domingo Santana trying his best to work against that. Uh, luckily he did catch that ball, but I also was apparently doing laundry during this game and I wrote about that. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a very transformative experience to hear you talk about the Mike Leake game and then for me to go back and kind of find my own thoughts on it uh, so thank I'm going you going to that. read this yeah i mean like send me this after this because obviously i'm i'm not going to read it right now uh, right. but i do i do want to read it uh, later man the mariners also so uh malik smith got hurt during the game apparently and their outfield at one point mind you during a perfect game <laughs> the outfield was dylan moore chris negron and domingo santana I mean, that's kind of, like, how it has to work, right? <laughs> well, yeah, this is all, like, a very Mike League, very Mariners game. And they also kicked ass, which I forgot about. Like, it was 10 nothing in the seventh. I don't know what the final score was, but, like, what a night. And that so is, like, weird. that's the dream when you sign up for the, the Friday or Saturday recap. You're like, I know I could be doing other things. This is your hashtag baseball stuff getting in the way. <laughs> And then to get a game like that, rather than just like, for me, the worst is like seven to one, you know, like if they're going to lose, I want it to be bad enough that I can like kind of be funny. Like, don't just lose like, (laughs) you know, I don't be down four nothing in the sixth and then lose seven to one. Like, that's just such a boring game to me. Yeah. So, yeah. If anyone wants to Google it, Mike Leake throws eight ninths of a perfect game. Mariners win 10-0. That's the headline. Amazing. I'm so excited. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. (laughs) Okay, so we got like 20 more minutes here. I suppose I should ask you uh, to zoom out a little bit, not just from Justice Sheffield or even just pitchers. And uh, in the abbreviated amount of spring te- of spring training that we saw, uh, what excited you? Like, what are you looking for in spring training in the first place? And uh, what did you see that kind of got you to perk up a little bit from the little bit that we saw of the actual Mariners playing baseball? Um. So, I think over time I've just realized that I I like headers and I like writing about headers and analyzing headers and everything, but I definitely side more to the the side. Uh, side to the side jesus um i definitely am just more partial to like watching pitchers um and so that's what i was more excited about especially because i think that um taiwan and kikuchi and sheffield are making such cool changes um and then like our bullpen sucks but they're like so fun because they're just the most bullpen spaghetti bullpen ever um yeah and so i was like i was kind of excited to just see how that all worked out um because i actually do like a couple of our relievers um in general like i don't think i have any crazy answers um i was kind of intrigued by marmalejos just because i think he can be um probably something like a league average bat and also play some defense uh like some workable defense in the corner um and like play dh in first base um i like we had domingo santana in the outfield before that so like could he be worse probably not um and then tim lopes like it's hard not to just be rooting for him um you know i I don't think there was like a ton that I saw that I was like, Oh man, like this is super cool. Uh, um, which sucks, but, um, you know, I think for the most part it was, it was really just like seeing how the kids were playing. Like, um, I actually hate that. I just said that because I I hate when people say, um, I can't think of any terms. I think that's the one that upsets me when people call other uh, players like kids, like, oh, this kid's going to be great. And it's like, yo, this guy's like 27 and you're 21. Like, oh, why? I, I totally do that. I'm very guilty of it. <laughs> then I I guess I hate you. Um, that's fine. But I just did it too. So. Join the club. I'm sure yeah. I pissed off so many other people by doing way more harmless <laughs> things. So I can take that. Right. It's pretty benign. So it's whatever. But. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think really just like watching Kyle Lewis and, and Evan White and Jake Fraley and, and Malik's really just anyone under like 29, um, and has, uh, a meaningful future, which I think we have a lot of those. So it, it's really just, um, cool to see, obviously like this isn't going to be a great year, especially with, you know, the coronavirus stuff. Um, but we just have like a lot of intriguing young guys and I think it's going to be ugly, but I think it's going to be a growing year. Um, and so, yeah, like add JP Crawford and shed long. And, um, I think the biggest, like the, the most impressed I've been by someone is, is Jared Kelnick just because of how, like he already looks like he could, he could play. Like if we were in a tight spot and contending, uh, I think there's a chance that he could have started on the opening roster, and I don't think that he should be, but um, I think that was a chance just by how polished he already looks. Um, and then it's it's cool to see J-Rod, but he, he obviously looks a lot less polished than Kalnick does up at this point, but I think that's my... Um, that was kind of a long answer again, but I think that's probably it. No, you're good, man. You're a pro. Fill in the time wonderfully. This yeah. is great. In the time of Rona, we need as much 
long-winded thoughts as we can get you know we're trying right. to distract people from everything else so i know man this is no yeah. time for short and complete thoughts we need to <laughs> long form content will thrive during the age of rona that's my that's my go, theory yeah. here <laughs> um okay so i want to end with this then mikey i've been doing this all off season um talking to people about why and how they became Mariners fans in the first place. And I know for a lot of people, and it sounds like you are in this club as well, a huge part of it is just geography, like being born here. And especially if you're born in the late 90s, like the Mariners are very good. They're fun to watch, all that. Like they were the it team. But then over the years, uh, I don't know if you knew this, they've been actually really, really bad as it turns out. So for a lot of people, this was kind of the time to check out. And you obviously went the other way, as you know, everyone involved in Lookout Landing has. We've we sort of doubled down and decided the Mariners, even when they're at their shittiest, are going to be our thing. But I want to know uh, all the mechanics of that. How did it happen? When did you become aware of the Seattle Mariners? And then when did the jump happen where you became really, really invested to the point of staying in the car when Mike Leake has a perfect game? <laughs> so I, I don't know, like, what like why it was the Mariners because I remember having really fond memories of like watching um I, I have a, a super clear memory well obviously it's not super clear because I don't remember who the second player was but I remember I think an alley-oop like from half court from like maybe Ruben Patterson to Desmond Mason and I remember being so young that I was like my dad was watching and I was like dump dunking in one of those um, those things that like babies spin in and there's toys on the perimeter, you oh, know? Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I was so small that it was like reasonable to be doing that. Um, and like high enough where like it was a thing, but I remember doing that and around the same time, um, you know, growing up watching the Seahawks and like, this is like pre Matt Hasselbeck. So like a while ago, uh, but like definitely my fondest memories were the Mariners and maybe this is because they played the most often. And I honestly, one of my, like one of my favorite childhood memories is, and it's not even really a memory because it's so many different nights, but um, my dad is, is one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. Um, In high school, I remember um, he would like go to work with walking pneumonia and the flu, like both. Um, and he, he has like a blue collar job. Like he's a welder. Um, and he would get home after like a hard day's work, you know, like 10, 12 hours. Um, and it was just such a routine. Like he would sit on the couch and I would take his boots off and we would just like lay together and I'd like sit on his lap or, you know, we'd like lay down, uh, and we'd watch the Mariners and, um, he would, he'd scratch my back and he would always like fall asleep watching the Mariners and I would always like subtly, you know, like shift. Uh, so he would like wake up and start scratching my back again. <laughs> um, yeah, but it's, I honestly like, it is my favorite memory of like my life. Um, and it's, I, I honestly like am not, um, exaggerating at all it's just like that like I already loved baseball but to be able to like kind of have that um that like bonding time and a relationship with my dad um was super cool um so yeah like that's kind of when it started I remember I remember going to like neighbors bonfires um and them being like, Hey Mikey, like, uh, what's Ichiro's batting average? And I'd be like, Oh, it's 342. Uh, and they'd be like, what's Brett Spoon RBI total. And I'd be like, Oh, he has 79 right now. Um, because I would just so obsessively watch the Mariners and just like memorize their stat lines and go on like foxsports.com and go to the like Mariners site and just refresh the page waiting for news to come. Um, and then just like going in the backyard and like it'd be a sunny summer day uh and just like there'd be a shadow and i would like go and watch a game like watch a game against the yankees or the giants or something and i would practice like different 
hitters stances um and like see how it looked relative to like the tv and the shadow um so i just like have such fond memories of of watching the mariners and going to games with my dad like i still remember like a a walk-off game um like tom lampkin hitting uh a walk-off single up the middle against i don't know who but i remember being there with my dad I think it was against the Giants, like a chopper up the middle over the yeah. pitcher. Yeah. yeah. I think someone scores from second. Yeah, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. And I was, I was, I was at that game. Um, so I guess, yeah, it was an important game, so that's partially why I remember. But, yeah, I just remember, like, going to games and, and like, getting Ichiro posters with my dad and, and, like, raising my poster over my head and knocking over people's beers and my dad would, like, have to pay for them. Um, <laughs> and just, like, people knew that I, I loved the Mariners. Um like, my, my aunt would always buy me Ichiro shirts, and it was always embarrassing. Like, my family would be like, hey, Mikey, do the thing. Um, and someone would get me, like, a spatula, and I would do the Ichiro, like, the whole routine with the, like, sleeve tug and everything, like, in front of right. 30 family members. Um, so, yeah, like, after that, um, it was just, like, I was just always a Mariners fan. Um it wasn't until like high school that I started to like kind of like football more. And I think I started to get a little fatigued with, with the the Mariners maybe. Um, but then I think in 10th grade, um, I had an ASL class an American sign language class with my friend Dustin. And he'd always be like, Hey man, like, uh, did you read that Dave Cameron article? I'd be like, Oh yeah. Yeah, I did. And I definitely didn't. Uh, and he'd be like, did you read that Jeff Sullivan article on Lookout Landing? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, totally, dude. That was, let's talk about it. Uh, but I never did. And eventually he just hounded me enough to where I was like, okay, man, like I'll read these articles. Um, and it kind of rekindled my love for for the Mariners. Like I, I have so many inside jokes and so many random memories of like Jeff Sullivan recaps and um, – that's really where the analytical side got started. Like, um, <clears throat> that's when I started reading like fan graphs and USS Mariner and, and lookout landing. And so really ever since 2010, um, I've been wanting to write for lookout landing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I went through a phase recently where I was getting pretty close to just like, especially if we would have started with a new, uh, regime, I would have been like, okay, I'm just going to root for a new team. And if I did, it would probably be the A's or the Rays or something. Um, so I kind of have like second team sort of that I like sure. passively root for. Yeah. Um, but I, I like, I think that's just like to make my feel myself feel like I'm in control. Cause I don't, I don't think I could ever give up on the Mariners. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean though. Like I don't have teams that I like root for or follow in the same way, but I would say, Three or four years ago, I just became so fascinated by the Mets. Like, everything the Mets do is so funny yeah. to me. And, like, it's so hard to turn away. It was really that year they made the World Series that I was like, these guys oh, are idiots. <laughs> like, they're not, <laughs> they're not great. Like, you know, they had some good players on that team, but it was still, like, it had a very 4 Red Sox kind of vibe. And then right. also just, like, the history of the Mets is always, like, they're the little brother to the Yankees. Like, mm-hmm. Their best team ever, the one that wins the World Series, only wins it because of the most famous heir ever. And then you find out later, like, all those guys oh. were doing cocaine, like, on the field. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that just oh, all became, God. like, very interesting to me. And then I very think also, Mets. from a personal standpoint, they have, I think, the best broadcast booth in the entire league. So, like, just watching oh. the Mets game is so much fun yeah. with with those guys. Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling are both on that 86 Mets team, too. So, you get... Mm-hmm. Both stories of that team, but also, like, the insight into the game that, like, no disrespect, that Mike Blowers doesn't really give you just because he's <laughs> such a different kind of baseball player, you know? Right, Mike Blowers yeah. is, like, the, you know, put your head down, you play baseball, you know, you work hard, you love the game, all that. And yeah. Keith Hernandez is just the complete opposite of that. Right. So, I don't know, I really get into the Mets, and, like, just watching them is, like, my little reprieve, especially because uh, a lot of times they're not playing at the same time as the Mariners, so you can do both. Like, you can... For me, it'd be like I'd come home sometimes, and if the Mets had started at four, it catch the end of that, and then you watch however much of the Mariners you want before falling asleep, and it's like a nice right. balance. But 
I totally agree with you. Like, there's no chance at any point in my life that I stop caring about the Mariners completely. Like, it would have right. to be just an absolute catastrophe for that to happen. Like, everyone involved in the organization goes to prison or something for, like, a heinous crime. Other hey, than it, that, was, like, it, was, uh, it was close with the... Um, I forgot her name. The, uh, you Lorena know... Lorena Martin. The, yeah, Lorena Martin stuff. I was like, come on, guys. Like, yeah, was so bad. I mean, yeah, that certainly wasn't ideal. And, like, that was the first time I think I had to actually take stock of what I was doing here because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, like, it doesn't matter. Obviously, I think every sports fan knows that. Like, if you walk right. away, it doesn't affect the Mariners whatsoever unless you're, like giving them a shit ton of money <laughs> but right. even if you're doing that like their bottom line won't be affected at all so no yeah. um when did it start to sink in for you if it even has that we'd have no idea when we're gonna see sports again oh man um it was pretty exponential um probably probably sometime like in the middle of last week um I would say somewhere around like Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. Um, that sounds about right, but it's been it's been such a blur. I think um, Wednesday I'm was the like... last day because I was actually I, I was watching the the Jazz Thunder game. That was like my whole plan for that night because I'm an insane person. Like I'm totally <laughs> that guy where like I'll be on the ESPN app and like see what games are going on, and then if I see one I want to watch, I'm like, okay, that's what I'm doing tonight. If anyone texts me. Like, hey, I'm watching Jazz Thunder. Do you want to come over? But, like, I'm not leaving. And then the game, like, never happened. And I was like, what's going on? And just started poking around on Twitter. And you find out that, oh, Rudy Gobert might have the coronavirus. And I feel bad for laughing, but just the circumstances around it were pretty objectively funny. Right. And I think once, once I realized what that actually means, like, oh, a player in the league might have it, then it's like, okay, obviously they have to shut down. Like, they can't even do the the empty arenas because they're all touching the same ball and being in the same locker room. So that's when it started to like creep in like, Oh shit, they might have to like take a month off. That's what I thought. And then more and more news comes out. And also I start to understand how a virus works. And it's like, I think that was the day after all that happened when I woke up and kind of compared the two, like a, what happened in sports and B what happened in science. I was like, I think we're fucked here guys. Like I'm going to have to develop some other kind of personality (laughs) or like find, things yeah, to do to, to occupy do myself which is is kind of daunting to be totally honest with you yeah honestly i mean yeah it's like the uh, really all we can do is uh, analyze like stuff that happened in the spring and last year so yeah not super ideal it's gonna be weird spare a thought for your local content creators everyone for sure in this dark time <laughs> all right mikey let's get out of here then uh before we go talk about yourself where can the people find you on the internet what do you want to direct them to floor is yours for shameless plugs <laughs> dope um yeah so um you can find me on twitter at mikey Ajetto pl and my last name um well i guess i should say my first name too because people always spell it mickey um but it's m-i-k-e-y-a-j-e-t-o and then p-l and the p-l is because um, I also write at PitcherList. I'm planning on dropping that from my um, uh, my Twitter handle at some point, but I need something that I can use. Um, so you can find my work uh, on Lookout Landing now, which is incredible. Uh, you can find me over at PitcherList, and then you can find me on Twitter there. Um, I also have <laughs> my own competing uh, Mariners podcast. Um, it was previously called uh, Griffey's Naptime Podcast with my one of my... Uh, buddies Dustin actually that basically got me into all this but now um, I think it's pretty aptly named it's never sunny in Seattle um, and you can find that on SoundCloud and um, Spotify and I believe iTunes um, so yeah uh, <laughs> I, I think that's really it um, I can't really think of anything else but uh, yeah you can find me there and you can uh, we can talk about some Mariners <laughs> Cool. Very cool. Love to uh, love to entertain on all platforms. You know, that's what we're here for. Right. So just open the door for everyone else to get in here as well. Uh, I'm Matthew Robertson. You probably knew that. You can ask about me. I'm out here. Uh, follow me on Twitter at mrobertson22. Read Lookout Landing. We don't know what the site is going to look like, but it's going to be yeah. fun. <laughs> we'll have some nonsense. We'll have some baseball. We have our minor league podcast that's within... This same feed, so if you're listening to this, just press back and you'll see some minor league stuff eventually. Um, and yeah, stick with us, guys. We know this is 
like I said, one of the weirdest times I can ever remember being alive for. But the beauty of the internet is that we can all do it together and uh, and band together around the Mariners or lack thereof. So let us know on the comments of this post or on Twitter what you want to see. We're totally willing to crowdsource content while there's no actual baseball. Um and yeah, Mikey, any final thoughts, any science tips, any uh, hand-washing techniques you want to share? Um, I, I definitely think, like, just stay inside. Don't be dumb. Like, if you don't have to go inside or outside, don't do it. Wash your hands for 20 seconds and use hand sanitizer that has 60% or more alcohol. Um, I feel like we should all know this, but just stop touching people. Stop touching your face. Perfect. All right, you heard it here first, folks. We've saved America, and I'll be back next week to do the same thing with a different guest. Bye.